Hey, true crime besties, welcome back to an all new episode of Serialistly. everybody welcome back to an all-new bonus episode of serialistly with me annie all right guys you know i drop these bonus episodes during the week when there's either a major case update or there's a brand new case that i just am itching to talk with you guys about and we also have a headline highlights which is every thursday now where we talk about all of the breaking updates in some of these cases that maybe don't have enough information to warrant its own episode, but we still want to give you the updates throughout the week of what's happened in the true crime world. But there was a major update yesterday that I was thinking I was going to hold it for headline highlights, but I'm like, no, 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 no. This one, this chick needs her own bonus episode because when I tell you I have never hated anyone more, I truly think I mean that, like in the depths of my soul. In my mind, there was never anybody who could do worse than Casey Anthony until Lori Vallow walked in to the scene. It's like, Casey Anthony, hold my beer. Let me show you what a monster mother really looks like. So we already know that she was found guilty. Next, Chad is going to trial. And these are just like these monster, insane losers who are like culty and disgusting and like hypersexual with each other just like all the gross things so we know she's guilty but yesterday was her sentencing and when I tell you that my jaw was on the floor for half of this that's not even an exaggeration not only did Lori's statement completely blow me away and just infuriate me but it also I kind of felt like she was kind of gaslighting me a little bit in a weird way but then There were also other statements made by the judge, the prosecution, to where I was like, hell yeah, let's call her out for the psychotic nut job that she is. So anyways, I knew I had to jump on here and like do a full bonus episode of what went down yesterday with Lori because I feel like there's the only the abbreviated versions out there right now. So we're going to talk about it. And so ultimately, Lori Vallow Daybell was sentenced to five consecutive life sentences without the chance of parole. She was sentenced in Fremont County, Idaho, just yesterday on Monday. Her sentencing marks the very first chapter ending in this hideous and disturbing Chad and Lori saga, which uh, you've probably been following it along by now and you're fully caught up. But if you haven't been following this case or the trial and you do want to catch up on everything, you can access all of the videos I've done so far in the show notes below because I've done like such crazy deep dives on these two devil monsters. So heading into the sentencing, it was announced that Summer Shiflett, Lori's sister, and Colby Ryan, Lori's only living child now, would not be giving victim impact statements in person. Tylee's aunt, who is her deceased father's sister, Annie Cushing, applied for an emergency order to allow her to become Tylee's representative, but it was denied based on Idaho law because Summer and Colby were technically the representatives since they testified in her trial. Summer's statement was included in the court records, but she didn't want to read it publicly, which we will get into more later on. So Rob Wood read Colby's statement into the record. 
Victim impact statements started on Monday with Tammy's sister, Samantha. She first read a statement on behalf of their father, Ron Douglas, and then read the statement that she prepared. So when we were told by Chad that he had married you and that it had happened two weeks after Tammy had been buried, my heart knew. I researched you like any true woman would to find out who you were. What did I find? Lies. Everything about you that you tried to tell others is a lie. We asked, what's her name? Lori Ryan. Well, that was a lie. That was two husbands ago. So as I searched, what happened to your previous husband? We, she told us that he had died from a heart attack. Lie. He died from being shot. I asked, are there children? I was told we will be empty nesters. That's a lie. The police ask us about missing children. You answer, the children aren't missing. They're safe and happy. It's a lie. Your children, your poor children were dead and buried on Chad's property. And my sister was told was sick and her health was failing. Well, that was a lie. An affair with a married man. You lied to yourself by what is okay to sneak behind the backs of your spouses. You are not exalted beings and your behavior makes you ineligible to be one. But why pick Chad? He was an average guy and you had married several men before him. He made you feel special and singled out. You tell yourself that you were high spiritual beings who have lived lives together through time. You felt powerful. This is too is a lie. But Chad has no real wealth. How will you live? You can easily have divorced your spouses and made your own perverted life together, but you need money. Because of the choices you made, we have been hounded by media and those who revel on all of the salacious scandal you have stirred up. Because of you and your desire to get what you want at any cost, my family has been ripped apart. I helped raise Tammy's children. And because of you, they no longer have their mother or grandmother. And because of fear of losing another parent, they listen to the lies spewed by you and Chad. Our relationship is strained and most contact with them is gone. I am not a dark person or a zombie. And for, for me and my family to be portrayed that way is unacceptable. Lucky for me, the world can see the truth as much as I can. Everyone now knows what liars you are. They now all know what horrible things you have done. You will have to live in your prison cell for the rest of your life. You are not an exalted being, and there's no huge event that is going to save you. No jail walls are going to fall so you can leave. No angels are coming to rescue you. You made judgments of others and determined that they should die based on the fact that they might do bad things and we need to kill them before they do. That is not how the atonement works. We cannot punish and judge others on things they haven't happened yet, but you did. You have also made choices that have led you here. You have been judged by the court and you have been found guilty. Your consequences are before you. I miss my sister every day. I will grieve her and know the loss of my mother for the rest of my life. I will always remember them. As for you, I choose to forget you. And as I leave this courtroom today, I choose to never think of you again. Now, I loved when she said, you are not an exalted being, the jail walls are not going to fall, and no angels are coming to rescue you, because that's what Lori's been saying all along. And it's been wildly speculated that Lori still lives in her world of delusion, and 
We're going to also get into more of that very shortly here. But hearing those words spoken to her, whether Lori wants to admit it or not, deep down, I really hope that it just like burns her inside. So next up was Tammy's aunt, Vicky. I'm Tammy's aunt, Vicky. I was able to attend a big part of this trial. And so my first comment will be to address what I felt the defendant's behavior was. I felt she was shameful during the trial. It was apparent to me and others that the defendant did not take the proceedings in this courtroom seriously. It was extremely disrespectful to watch, especially during some of the most sensitive and heartbreaking testimony. Her smirking, her smiling, giggling, talking. I'm going to object based on... So John Thomas objected, which he did quite a few times during victim impact statements, which is another issue that I had. But Vicky hit the nail on the head with this comment. Everyone that attended the trial, including one of my team members, was absolutely horrified by Lori's lack of disregard for not only the seriousness of the charges that she was facing, but the way that she carried herself in front of the entire court, as if she did absolutely nothing wrong, and this was all some sort of frame job or something to that effect. Lori had already killed two of her children. Tammy was next on her list of obstacle removal. Lori wanted money, sex, and more power, and what Lori wants, Lori gets. The plan was in place on how to get it. Instead of a good night's sleep, Tammy was brutally executed in her own bed. She was taken from us by murdering thieves. Her life was snuffed out. To say heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, unbearable is not a big enough statement to convey knowing the way this most excellent existence was taken by planning and execution. The most innocent of lives was simply just discarded like it meant nothing, but it did. Laura, you participated in the savage murders of precious people of great value and worth. It is most likely something that you would probably never understand to be selfish and just to live life in a simple way enjoying life for what it is, to love, to be loved, to smile, and to be smiled at. While you had a shameful relationship with Tammy's husband and planned out a murder, Tammy lived her life. She supported her family in every way. And for you to turn her home where she lived and slept into a cemetery, two innocent and beautiful children is one of the most horrific things I can think of. I hope that the life you live is filled with fear and that every day you are terrified just the way that beautiful Tylee lived in fear for hers and sweet JJ as you continue terrifying her by saying they would be zombies. And she knew the consequences of being what you call dark. Kylie had many wonderful friends that loved her. And in a cruel irony, my granddaughter was a good friend to Tylee. <laughs> this friend group can still to this day not speak of Tylee freely. They are so stuck in their grief and sadness for their friend. 
who is savagely brutalized and murdered at her mother's hands. It's unconscionable to them and the grief is still overwhelming. In closing, I would like to thank all of the law enforcement, the FBI, the investigators, the prosecutors, the administration, everybody has worked so diligently on this case. I especially want to thank those who had to see those things that can't be unseen. We understand your pain also and grateful for the many, many hours of hard work and dedication and the search for the truth. Uh, thank you, Judge. I trust that you will do the correct penalty for this. Thank you. Listening to both Samantha and Vicki was absolutely heartbreaking. You can hear the pain in their voices as they struggle to get their words out, but they both did an incredible job, in my opinion, despite all of that. One of the things that Vicky said at the end about Tylee living in fear while her mother called her a zombie and dark, while she knew what being dark was and what that meant would happen to her, is honestly one of the many chilling aspects of this case, and it just really breaks my heart all over again every single time I hear it, because Tylee absolutely loved her mother, and that would be so scary, so frightening, and just so awful for such a young girl. And briefly, I just want to read a few Instagram captions that Tylee wrote about Lori so you can really picture how she felt and then what kind of betrayal that would be. Starting with the first one, it's a picture of Lori and JJ in the hot tub. Lori is smiling from ear to ear and Tylee writes, I won the lottery with this one as my mom. Then she puts the heart emoji and the heart eyes emoji and she puts the hashtag happy birthday. In another post, it's a picture of Lori and Tylee on the beach in Hawaii, and Tylee writes, My love for my mom grows every day. She is truly the best person for the job. Through everything we have been through as a family and as individuals, her faith just gets stronger. She is the best example of how I want to be as a mother someday. There's another picture of Lori holding Tylee as a toddler, and Tylee writes to this one, Emergency Mother Appreciation Post. This is a slightly random but much-needed thank you to my mom for always being there and helping me so much. And then she puts the little kiss emoji, and she writes, She's the greatest little mommy in the world. And then there's one more picture, and it's a picture of Tylee and Lori smiling and making funny faces. Tylee writes, Happy birthday to my mom. My mom is superior to yours, so don't even try. Then she puts the little laughing emoji, and she continues and writes, She is talented, beautiful, smart, and caring. Love you from your favorite child, with another little smiley emoji. So to think of the love that Tylee clearly had for her mother and such a great relationship, as we know it has been said so many times, There's no denying that Lori was at one point an incredible mother. And just to know all of that and then think of what a betrayal that she must have felt in those moments and how scared Tylee must have been, how confused she must have been to all of the sudden hear your mom talk about how you are a dark demon, a zombie. It's just so unbelievably sickening. Next was Kay Vallow Woodcock's victim impact statement, Charles Vallow's sister, and JJ's biological grandma which honestly was the hardest statement of the day to listen to for me. I truly don't know how there could have been one single dry eye in the entire courtroom. 
Kay really hit it out of the park with this one, and she called Lori and Chad out for who they really are. Today marks 1,481 days that have been filled with terror. One was the day my brother Charles was murdered. It took over 30 hours for the defendant to finally send a cold-hearted text to Charles's sons, informing them that their father was dead. No phone call, no explanation as to how, when, and where. Colin Zach immediately called me hoping this was a cruel joke. John, I'm gonna object as this has nothing to do with this case. It's overruled, Mr. Thomas. You. you can continue, Ms. Woodcock. This was the beginning of a, her cruel campaign of terror, a campaign that resulted in the deaths of JJ and Tylee, two innocent children, and Tammy, a devoted mother, grandmother, and wife. Our intense fear for JJ's safety began the very moment we learned of Charles's death. We knew Lori didn't want JJ anymore as we had seen her abandon him for 72 days with little to no concern of his well-being. We now understand that this was so she could carry on her illicit and toward affair with Chad Daybell and to conspire with him to murder and profit from my brother's death. With the number of divorces in Larry's past, it took me a while to understand why my brother had to die. I now realize what a nothing Chad Daybell is, a man with no ability to support anyone, no success of his own, a user of the weak-minded, a lazy, good-for-nothing, spineless man that rode his wife's coattails of success. After learning of Charles's death, I immediately began reaching out to Lori. I began calling, leaving voicemails and texting. Finally, after three long hours, I received a brief text with zero details. She couldn't be bothered or felt too guilty to pick up a phone and call, this time his sister, and explain what happened. It, was, it set out so many alarms for Larry and I. Within minutes, we were on the phone with an Arizona detective learning the horrifying truths of my brother's murder. This all began with greed, the greed for and desire for a $1 million life insurance policy. She should have answered my calls. She should have spoken to me. I would have given her the money. She could have let JJ entirely live and had a million dollars. She could have been free to be Chad's mistress and foot the bill with the money from spilled blood. JJ and Tylee could have been with us living happy lives. Instead, she took all that away, all because she is a money-hungry, power-mongering monster. We flew to Arizona the next morning and were finally able to meet with the detective shortly after. We learned the frightful details of my brother being ambushed by Lori and Alex. At this point, the seemingly emotionless Lori actually appeared to be crying and wiping her eyes with tissues, and she continued to do so periodically for the remainder of Kay's statement. Next, the prosecution, through attorney Rob Wood, gave their recommendation of sentencing, which was, of course, life in prison without the possibility of parole. So what was the impact on Tyree? We don't even know how she died. And why is that? Because her body was mutilated, it was dismembered, and it was burnt beyond recognition. We only know for a surety that it was her because of DNA testing. Her body, body was utterly destroyed, and she was buried in a pet cemetery next to animals. Her skull was literally separated from her body. 
and was destroyed in such a manner we couldn't even tell 100% from dental records if it was her. The defendants put her body in a green bucket that melted from the heat of her burning flesh and put it on top of her skull in a pet cemetery. The impact of this crime on this victim was horrendous. We know she had puncture wounds in her pelvis, and we know from the testimony of Dr. Christensen at trial that those puncture wounds were received at or near the time of death, and they were consistent with stabbing, but not consistent with dismemberment. Again, the impact of the murder of Tylee was horrendous. And this impact will continue. Tylee will never get to become a mother, as we heard earlier. She will never get, have the opportunity to go to college. She won't get to choose a career to satisfy her curiosity or make any of the other decisions that young adults get to make for themselves. She won't get to travel the world. She won't get to marry. She won't get to be there for her brother Colby or her brother JJ. She won't get to spend time with her other family members. The impact of murder never ends. So this defendant's sentence must last equally as long. I want to talk about the impact on J.J. Vallow. Again, we can't speak to him, but we've seen the evidence. We know that he died from asphyxiation from duct tape and a plastic bag wrapped around his head. The evidence showed that there was a struggle. And what was the impact on that little boy's mind as he fought for his life? His last moments must have been filled with fear and betrayal. And what is the impact of being buried like a piece of trash rather than receiving a proper burial? This defendant and her co-conspirators showed a callous disregard for human life by the demeaning way they treated his and his sister's bodies. Similar to Tylee, JJ will never get to grow up. He will never be able to reach his potential. He won't spend time with family, friends, and loved ones. Next, it was the defense's turn. Her lawyer, John Thomas, gave a whacked-out appeal to a motion, the leniency in her sentence, which, listen, I am all for a defendant having a good defense team, but the amount of mental gymnastics here was honestly just shocking. First, he said that Lori is misunderstood and that one of her mottos is love is key, which I'm not even going to pretend to know what that means. And he said that on behalf of the defense team, they would like to offer peace and love. He also quoted Martin Luther King Jr. when he said, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. The defense asked the court for a 20-year sentence, fixed term, with an indeterminate life sentence. He said that there can be hope one day that she can be rehabilitated, and that once she is in her 70s, she should have the chance to be out of prison. Which, let me just say, guys. <laughs> okay. First of all, quoting Martin Luther King was not the move, as it is so unbelievably out of context from what the original quote meant. Martin Luther King was speaking to his supporters and followers, saying that they should not hate their oppressors, which, Kay Laurie is not oppressed. She is guilty of murdering her children, profiting off their deaths, and conspiring to kill her then-boyfriend's wife. She is still accused of murder and attempted murder in another state as well. So while I can appreciate the sentiment that he was trying to make overall, it was a total miss for me. Then he continued on by saying how misunderstood Lori is. Lori is a very misunderstood person. People, people that know her, and I, I mean really know her, get the chance to know her the way that I did, the way that her family knows her. They would know that she is about, about love. 
Now, Lori and I did not love. So if you get to know Lori, you'd find that she's a very different person than she plays on TV. She's kind. She's loving. She's caring. She's very witty. She's insightful. She's smart. And if you talk to people that knew her prior to 2018, prior to this whole crazy event, series of events, you'll hear about a wonderful person who was active in her church, who was active in her community, who loved her children, very active in their lives. You'll hear people who talk about how great she was with their children in her church, in her church callings, in her neighborhood. She was a great mother to her kids. Her son, Colby, in fact, testified at trial that she was a great mother when he was growing up. She has redeeming values. Hey, Woodcock sang her praises today that, that Lori was a great mom and that Kay allowed JJ Canaan to be adopted by, uh, by Lori and, and Charles. And there's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of misunderstanding about how this ultimately came to pass. And that's probably not going to change anytime soon. To be frank, I think the only person that misunderstands anything is Lori. Now, if that wasn't abundantly clear yet, Lori's statement shows just that. Her statement was very long-winded and honestly, a bunch of bullshit in my opinion, but I am going to include the highlighted portion for you here where she is talking about her eternal friend, Tammy Daybell, how JJ, who would only be what? 10 years old at this point, 11 years old, is engaged and in and happy and busy and how Tylee is so happy. I mean, listen to this nut job. Jesus knows me and Jesus understands me. I mourn with all of you who mourn my children and Tammy. Jesus Christ knows the truth of what happened here. Jesus Christ knows that no one was murdered in this case. Accidental deaths happen. Suicides happen. Fatal side effects from medications happen. Kylie has visited me. She is happy and very busy. Kylie is free now from all the pains of her life. The first time JJ visited me after he passed away. He put his arm around me and he said to me, you didn't do anything wrong, mom. I love you. And I know you loved me every minute of my life. JJ Joshua Jackson was an adult spirit and he was very, very tall when he put his arm around me. He is busy. He is engaged. He has jobs that he does there, and he is happy where he is. His life was short, but JJ's life was meaningful. JJ was a wonderful person and touched the lives of everyone, and I adored him every minute of his life. My eternal friend, Tammy Daybell, has visited me on several occasions. She came to bring me peace and comfort, and I know that she is extremely busy helping her family, especially her children and grandchildren. And I have a great love for Tammy. My beautiful children, Tylee Ashland and Joshua Jackson, rest safely this day in the arms of Jesus. 
<laughs> my wonderful friend, Tammy Daybell, rests safely this day in the arms of Jesus. And I look forward to the day when we are all reunited and I too will rest with them in the arms of my Jesus. You guys, listening to her say this, I felt like I was having a near-death experience. She tripled down on her innocence and said that she is still in contact with her children and her eternal friend, Tammy Daybell, and that they are all happy in heaven and visit her. The gall, the nerve, the audacity of this freaking monster to sit there and act like she is still innocent that God knows nobody was murdered and that accidental deaths, suicides, and, and fatal medication side effects can happen. I mean, I'm just speculating here, but I believe that she was saying that JJ's death was accidental. Maybe that Tylee's death was by suicide and that the fatal medication side effects were about Tammy, since that is the one thing that the defense heavily argued during the trial. But the problem is that at no point during an accidental death of a child is there a need for a plastic bag with a duct tape to be put on someone's head. And I'm also pretty sure that Tylee didn't mutilate herself, didn't burn her own body, didn't dig herself a grave in the pet cemetery. I mean, this is so freaking offensive of Lori to say that there are no words that can adequately express how outrageous and absolutely maddening her statements were. I can't even imagine how the victim's families, the prosecution, and the judge must have felt listening to this freak show continue. Now, what's even crazier is I'm not sure that this is something Lori made up out of thin air and doesn't believe in. I 100% think that she believes this in a way. This, like, way of compartmentalization, defense mechanism, I don't know. Almost like she has to think this and continue to believe her own bullshit because she is incapable of admitting fault or guilt or maybe it would literally break her psyche. I don't know. It just makes no sense to me that you would have the nerve to sit there in court, say these things as though you truly believe them after you've heard so many victim impact statements and the impact you've had on all of these people for your clear guilt of their murders. So luckily, we got to find out exactly what the, what the judge was thinking, the George, the judge was thinking as he made his remarks on Lori's actions before the sentencing. So listen here as he tells Lori straight up, you justified all of this by going down a bizarre religious rabbit hole. And clearly, you are still down there. Who had children of her own. And despite the jury convicting you with overwhelming evidence, you still sit here before the court today and said you didn't do it. You came here to East Idaho, where I've spent my life, and moved here from another place already with plans in progress to make your children disappear. The evidence bore that out at trial. You removed your children from their home in Arizona, alienated them from friends and family, got rid of JJ's service dog. You moved to Rexburg, a community where you could find a thousand random families to take your children, and you brought them here to murder them. You had so many other options. You could have gotten divorced. You could have found someone to take care of those kids. But as the state was able to prove at trial, you chose the most evil and destructive path possible. You killed those children 
according to the state's theory, and I believe it, to remove them as obstacles and to profit financially. You justified all of this by going down a bizarre religious rabbit hole, and clearly you are still down there. While you were enjoying your new life in Hawaii, countless law enforcement officers, family members, and volunteers were searching for your children. And I don't think to this day you have any remorse for the effort and heartache you caused for others who looked for your children when you knew where they were and knew they were dead. They were found dead, burned, mutilated, and dismembered, and buried like animals. After you knew they were dead, you collected public funded assistance payments meant for them, and that was blood money you kept for yourself. And that's the grand theft charge you've been convicted of. Your sister, your son talked to you, begged with you while you were in the jail during phone calls I heard at trial. And those were very sad and difficult calls to hear. And you didn't provide any assistance or comfort to them. During the trial, when the evidence came out about how these children were found and the state they were in, you wanted to be excused and not have to watch the evidence and we're fine to let all the other people in the courtroom, including the jurors, have to bear through that. However, I ruled that you did have to sit and watch and see the result of your heinous crimes. The jurors in your case fulfilled their duty admirably. All 18 jurors we had, because we had alternates, went through the entire trial and faithfully fulfilled all their obligations and all the instructions. So we were able to get impartial jurors who weren't already tainted by pretrial publicity to decide your case. And I do thank the jurors publicly for the service they rendered. Those jurors I noted during the trial were very good at keeping their emotions in check and keeping stone-faced as they're supposed to do and be objective until the case is done and submitted. However, I did note at certain times during the trial, such as when there were videos and pictures shown of you in Hawaii at this time frame when JJ and Tylee were lying in shallow graves, the disgust on the faces of those jurors was evident and shocking revelations about what happened here just kept coming through the trial. The crime scene was a horrific thing to have to review. And there's images that I will never get out of my mind. And I'm just looking at the pictures, law enforcement officers who had to deal with the aftermath of what you did, I'm sure were traumatized. And I know it was traumatic as well for the jurors who had to sit through and see the photographs of these dead and mutilated and buried children. For those people who loved and cared about JJ and Tylee and Tammy Daybell to have to see those photographs of them through trial of their dead and desecrated bodies must have been devastating. Tammy Daybell was murdered as a result of your conspiracy. She was by all accounts 
a healthy, happy mother and wife through a lot of her life. And you were out shopping for wedding rings to marry her husband while she was still alive. You were planning a wedding to her husband while she was still alive. You haven't shown any remorse for any of those actions. And she ended up being murdered, buried, had to be disinterred later so an autopsy could be performed in order to prove the evidence of what you had done. She didn't deserve any of that. You took her life away. You destroyed that family, fractured it to the point where in the information I've had through the PSI, there are relationships that will probably never be mended that have rippled as a result of what's happened. JJ and Tylee, of course, seven years old, 16 years old, were separate people whose lives were cut way too short because of you, never got to grow up and be adults. The family and friends who have provided their impact statements, of course, have stated it better than I could about who they were. And it is a loss for everyone that you took them away from this world. And it is the most shocking thing, really, I can imagine, is that a mother killed her own children, and you simply have no remorse for it. Even sitting here today, there's no remorse for what you did. After all of this evidence through trial, you haven't shown any remorse. You haven't said you're sorry. You haven't done anything to seek leniency from this court. There's been a lot of people during trial and here who have explained the devastation you're responsible for, and you've forever altered the lives, not in a good way, for many, many people, destroying family relationships, taking people away that were loved, cared for, and needed. You may not believe to this day that you've done anything wrong and you still may think you're justified by your religious beliefs for what happened here. I'm not here to judge that, but I don't believe that any God in any religion would want to have, have this happen, what happened here. And your crimes are heinous and egregious, and that alone can constitute a major aggravating factor it requires me to impose a serious length of incarceration. After sentencing, Nate Eaton of East Idaho News did a live stream and shared his conversation with Summer on the reasons why she did not physically go to the sentencing. Now, if you don't know who Nate is, he is one of the original reporters that covered this case from the very beginning and really exposed this case to a larger audience with his infamous footage in Hawaii where he asked Chad and Lori where the kids were at. So links to Nate's YouTube channel and Twitter account will be in the show notes. So everyone go check him out and follow him as well. His interview with Summer was particularly insightful on what Summer has been going through and her conversations with Lori since she has been in jail. What were your thoughts when Lori gave her statement? It's the first time, I mean, you've talked with her occasionally over the past few years from what I understand, but first time the public has really heard from her. And uh, what were your thoughts as she as she spoke about her, her I guess, version of events or, or her, uh, what she believes? Um, 
I've known she's been in this delusion for a while. It took me a long time to accept that and understand um, what was going on. I didn't, I knew something was off from the beginning, but I didn't know what, and I, I had never seen anybody with um, a delusional disorder before. I didn't know um, how to process that or what it looked like. So now that I've had more experience with it, um, that's about typical of most conversations. It's about her faith and um, you'll see one day um, there's never any acknowledgement of what actually happened. So you can't ever really get any answers. So it leads to just kind of frustrating situations. So what you heard, sorry to cut you off. What you heard today, what, what was so alarming to so many of, what is she talking about? You're used to, this is the Lori you've known. Is that what you're saying? No, not the Lori I've known. No, she was not like this before. Um, I mean, this didn't start, I think her delusional disorder, probably if we, you know, we've kind of backtracked it back to maybe late 2017, that maybe that started maybe early 2018 that it started. Um, but she wasn't talking like this then there were some religious things and, but she was cherry picking what she shared with each member of the family. So it took us a long time to come together and like all talk about what we knew and what she had told each one of us. And we all got different versions. So it wasn't ever like a consistent, like everyone got the same exact information. Um, the things today, there were some things today I hadn't heard before. I'd never heard. She's never once told me that, um, she had the near-death experience when she was giving birth to Tylee and left her body and saw my sister Stacy. That that has never um, been talked about ever by her with us. Um, so there were some things that were new to me today, but there were also things that I knew to be true that she was saying, like Tylee's time in the hospital with pancreatitis and um, her abuse by her father and things like that that I that I was aware of. I see. I guess I should have clarified as far as it, you're used to her talking like this over the past few years when you've had these yes. out calls. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um. So Summer, I wanted to ask you, you submitted a letter to the judge, a victim impact statement that, that mm -hmm. you didn't want read publicly. And there was some discussion as, you know, as to why, why you didn't come to speak or why the, uh, you didn't want the judge or the prosecutor to read a letter. Can you, can you address that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't able to make it there in person today, and I didn't really want to have it read in by somebody else. And I know I know from my own experience of talking, like writing to Lori or talking to Lori, um, I, I mean, I tried really hard. I begged her not to go to trial to begin with and not put everybody and herself through that. I mean, I tried everything to like reason with her even ahead of the trial. And I've known from my experience that she's not open to hearing what I'm saying. Um, she's not responsive to the things I'm saying. She's just doing what is in her mind that's real and right um, in her delusion. And so for me, I knew anything that I said there was going to fall on deaf ears for her. Um, I, I wanted the judge to know how I felt. And it was for the judge purposes to um, the judge's purposes and doing his sentencing and his position. Um, I wanted him to know how I felt, but I want to share about Tylee and JJ. I adore them, I miss them, and I want the world to know them. Um, In the end, justice prevailed for Tylee, JJ, and Tammy, and I am just so thankful for that. 
I know that there was no way that she was going to get off scot-free, but it always feels good when it's set in stone. So now we know that Lori will only leave prison in a body bag. But first, her ass will be extradited back to Arizona, where she will face conspiracy to commit the murder of Charles Vallow, and later on, the conspiracy to commit attempted murder of Brandon Boudreaux. And I cannot wait for the day that that trial starts. So, one down, two more trials to go for her, one down with her, and then Chad up next, and I really am interested to see what Chad tries to pull, if he will get cop a plea deal, if he will go forward with the trial, if he's gonna flip on her now that she has been found guilty and say it was all Lori, he didn't do anything, he was just the cover and tried to help her out because he was dumb and in love. What do you think's gonna happen? I still am glued to this entire case because these cult freak show weirdos, I'm trying to get inside their minds to understand how they could possibly even try to justify their behavior. It blows me away. But then again, all cult situations do. I'm very, very fascinated by them. So let me know what you guys think. Please take a quick second, rate and review this podcast before you close the app. And don't forget, come back here bright and early Thursday morning for our new series, Headline Highlights, where I break down for you everything that happened that week in true crime, all the case updates, any new cases, and just give you the full rundown of everything that happened in the week. So leave a review, leave a rating, let me know in the review what you like about this podcast so that I can continue to tweak it and refine it and give you guys the content that you love. And I will be talking to you guys again very, very soon. All right, guys, signing off. Stay safe and I will be talking to you soon. Bye, guys.